Welcome to the Gridiron Show. We're just a few days away from the conference championships, the AFC and NFC championship games. We will preview them in full. I promise it will stay cordial between myself and Ollie Hunter. Plus, we'll talk about Larry Fitzgerald returning to the league and a couple of players who aren't in Antonio Gates and the semi-shock retirement of Luke Keekley. This is the Gridiron Show. Hello, welcome to the Gridiron Show. Will Gavin or Ollie Hunter in the studio with me. We've got Matt Sherry as well. I always save this stuff to the end of the podcast. So I'm going to do it now before we start chatting. You know, it's that time of the year. We're all getting excited about the, the championship games, about Super Bowl week. We have got a ridiculous amount of cool stuff coming up for you on Super Bowl week. Lots of great interviews already lined up. We're going to be doing lots of reports and stuff. It's going to be really, really, really good stuff across social and everything else. So please, at this point, get the word out there. Tell your friends. Go and give us, you know, five stars on iTunes or wherever else you listen. If you think we're a five-star show, I hope you do. Uh, but all of that really helps us find new people. It's at Gridiron on Twitter, at UK Gridiron on Instagram as well, because genuinely some really, really cool stuff coming up with the Super Bowl week in Miami, just over the horizon. And with that in mind, let's say first of all hello to a man who's going to be sadly disappointed to see his team fall one step short of Miami, Ollie Hunter. Hey, buddy, how's it going? Yeah, all right. All right, you say that, but I think the closer to to game day, game day, game day, uh, game day I think the closer it gets, the worse you'll be, and the mo- more nervous you'll be. You mean me personally? Yeah, yeah. yeah I went yeah. for lunch with a big Kansas City Chiefs fan earlier, and I think there's a chance that we might go and watch the early game in a bar somewhere near work. Obviously, you will be more than invited, Ollie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just haven't had the email yet. You've been doing the cricket coverage. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm blaming. Um, but we will. Uh, we will. You know, thinking about watching, and I think if I go and watch the early game in a bar with a Chiefs fan, and maybe get Sam, our Titans mate, along as well. That will distract me from the stress of Sunday, I reckon. Yeah. Uh, look, it's one of us will be able to see our team at the Super Bowl. And it's going to be a really weird experience. If only we had someone who has gone through that a few times and can help us prepare for for this occasion, for this moment. I'd, I'd, it'd be great to have that insight of of what it will be like seeing our team either win or lose that NFC Championship game. Matthew Sherry. You'll, you'll both hate it and love it in equal measure. <laughs> the, good thing is, the good thing is that we, uh, as you mentioned, you know, with all the stuff we've got lined up, you've got like more bodies at Super Bowl week than ever, which means we're doing more content and everything else. Is that I really think that you get so busy during the week that you, you kind of forget about it. And then usually you get a Friday and think, Oh my god, it's two days away. That's that's <laughs> my then, like. So my problem is that dogs. I've then got to do a live a radio show on Friday night and Saturday night before the game itself. But also, it's that thing of like by the by the Friday of Super Bowl week, and this is going to sound ridiculously first world problemy, but you're almost desperate to get to the game because you're like, I've talked about the same matchups for five days straight now. And yeah, the occasional person has come along and said something interesting that maybe we haven't said with another guest or talked about. But you tend to find yourself kind of going in loops talking about one single game for five straight days. Yes. I think all of that is just going to make me never be able to get the idea of the game out of my head or similarly with Ollie. I'm not making any assumptions about Sunday, to be clear. But yeah, I I think the thing is, I want to, if it is Green Bay... I want to go and do everything. So, whereas before my first Super Bowl, you went and and did a bit with the players and and did some of the media events there. And but most more recently, maybe the last two, it's just been right. Let's stay on Radio Row. Let's get as many interviews as we can. I've got stuff to do with work. Yada yada. Whereas if it is Green Bay this time, I'll be. Really excited to go to opening night. I'll be uh, really. Uh, Ollie's going to sleep approximately yeah. five hours yeah. across a six day span. Yeah, I'd be really excited to go to all of the media availability, try and get one on ones with people, all of that good stuff. So I don't know. It, 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 all of that will then make me even worse. But I know it's not going to happen because the 49ers are going to win. But it's a, it's a weird, weird experience, Sherry, that. I, I, I don't know. I always said if, if Green Bay came over to do an international series game, when they, you know, they might come and play in Lambeth or somewhere. Um, 
I would probably take the day off, the week off work and try and do everything that I could. But this is going to be on an even grander, bigger scale. Yeah, I mean, that's the interesting part. I mean, to be honest, I haven't. You know, the periods, I think it's four out of six that they've been there. And I've, it is, whatever I've, it is. It's four out of five yeah. that we've done. Yeah, yeah so. whatever, pal. I've never really done all of the kind of Patriots availability stuff, though, because I, I just love Radio Row so much. Like, you know, we get to just, it's such a, I think Radio Row for me is the, is the thing that's pinch yourself moment every year as much as being in the stadium, because you're just in that hub of, of legends, ex-players, like movie stars walking around, and you have your chance to interview certain ones of them and stuff, and and that to me is the is the magic of Super Bowl week, simply because it it illustrates the the ludicrous scale of it. So I've always there's, stayed, there's, there's stayed almost, Radio Row side. There's almost no favourite moment for me on uh, when we're on Radio Row than when we've managed to knock out a really like what a really good interview, one we're really happy with, with like an absolute legend. Like I can remember like Charles Haley walking away from our table yeah. and just giving you and Ollie this look as if to say, do you realise we've just had a man with five Super Bowl rings sat with us yeah. for the last 20 minutes and, and the, told the, us the some Jerry, great stories? The Jerry Rice moment, Will, it was awesome. I can't, it? I can't. Well, we were uh, recording, recording the pod and he was just there and then he just got a headset. It was like, yeah. Like, stuff like that. I mean, I loved seeing Cal Kimball and doing Who Loves Orange Soda. I mean, you know, there's, <laughs> it, goes from, it goes from the ridiculous extreme of, you know, Keenan and Cal Nickelodeon to Jerry Rice, and that can happen within two minutes of each other. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Ollie, or, or you will, just just soak it up. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. I'm excited for, for whoever... Well, I'm excited for you, Will. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the worst part is, is that... Talking about the game over lunch, and then I've just been doing some other bits and pieces for Talk Sport. This is the most confident I've ever felt about a game, and it feels very weird. Like, Ollie will feel the same as me about this. I support Reading and London Irish. Reading. And, you know, I've never, a team I've never felt truly close to. Like, I'm a Golden State Warriors fan, but I've never been a big NBA guy. So it's it's nice to see them have success over the last, like, five or six years. But it, it doesn't feel, you don't feel that personal, guttural, like, you moved to tears kind of connection with them. Yeah, I, I, I've never felt this kind of positive going into a game. And so that makes me feel like, you know, the, the higher they are, the, the harder they fall kind of thing. Uh, yeah, but the 49ers are that good. So that's why. I think it's because of the nature of the win over the Vikings. I, I didn't feel this good about going into next week at all. And so it's just, it's the perfect setup to have an awful, awful week. Right, we're going to get into the matchups and talk about both those games this weekend. But first, shall we touch on the... Uh, on, on the news of the week. And, well, let's start off with, I think, what was the biggest news story of the week? Luke Keekley's shocking retirement from the world of football at the age of just 28, uh, leaving, twenty I think, $21 million on this contract on the table. And you'd think a guy with the talent he has maybe not sign a huge contract at 30, 31 years old, but would still have another big contract in his future at the team. Makes the decision to walk away from football, put his, his kind of post-football life ahead of the remainder of his career. And the guy is... I think he was only the second player ever to win Defensive Rookie of the Year and then Defensive Player of the Year in his first two seasons in the league. He's been multiple-time All-Pro. He's had a phenomenal career. I would argue he's one of the best three or four players at the linebacker position, certainly the middle linebacker position, over the last 20 years. And so it's a Hall of Fame career, even if it is ending at 28. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, who else would you put in that class? It's him, Wagner. Um, Patrick Willis. Patrick Willis and Ray Lewis, isn't it? I would say in the mm-hmm. last kind of 20 so, years. Somebody tried, to, for me. somebody tried to put Erlacher forward when we were having this conversation on Twitter. And don't get me wrong, Brian Erlacher had a phenomenal career. And yes, there was more longevity. I think he did 12 or 13 years. But I don't think he re- he ever reached that level that those four guys did at some point in their career where they were just transcendent of everything else around them. Yeah, I mean, but he would round out a nice top five, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's 20 years. That would be your five. He'd sit at five and he'd be an excellent number five. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, and I think, uh, for me, I would, 
I would say that Keighley would be my number one of those five, and I include Ray Lewis in that. I just thought, as much as, much as anything with Keighley, all of these guys who are great linebackers have incredible instincts. I mean, it really is the the most valuable facet at the position. I, I just always felt he was he was a step ahead of the offense, more so than anyone I've ever seen. Um, he clearly just was incredible at, at reading what the offense was doing. Clearly worked hard off the field and kind of grinding the tape and. He was just so good, just a knack for interceptions. As I said, said on a, I did a little tweet thread on him. I, I, he just, I felt like he knew the offense better than the offense ninety percent of the time, and and just a great, great player. I mean, there wasn't a single part of his game he was bad at. Um, I would say, you know, I could pick holes in in little pieces of the other guys' games. I would say Kegley was just completely well-rounded, great against the run, outstanding against the pass. I mean, in pass coverage, you might be the best linebacker I've ever seen and, and just, just an absolutely incredible player. We went to see Carolina versus Miami a couple of years ago on, on the Touchdown Trips tour and um, we, we tailgated with uh, with a lot of the, the Panthers fans and it's evident to see, it's clear, clear to see that um, it was back then, what, two years ago, but the most amount of jerseys you'd see are Luke Keekley jerseys. And I'm not sure it was even that close Over with Cam, Cam Newton. Uh, yeah, 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 it wasn't even that close with Cam. I think maybe now with Christian McCaffrey, it will, it will be more McCaffrey, but that's because that will be their second jersey because they've already got a Luke Keekley jersey. So um, he's an absolute legend in, hey. in, in Charlotte, isn't he? And it's just... It, isn't I, it amazing that he's retired before Thomas Davis? Yeah, yeah, he's what thirty-five. <laughs> yeah, it, it is amazing. <laughs> like he's Especially thirty-six. When you consider Davis's three ACL tears. Yeah, he's, he's thirty-six and he's still on the Chargers and he's still got a year left on his on his contract. So unless he's planning to do anything drastic this off season, he will still probably be playing next year. Amazing that. And we are at a point now where there have been a number of these over the years. Patrick Willis being one of them, although. Patrick Willis, and a little bit, I think, Andrew Luck as well, had a specific injury that was keeping them out of being in games rather than just long-term wear and tear. Like, Keekley could have gone on the field and played this week. I think in week 16, he had he led the team with a ridiculous number, like 15-odd tackles in one game or something. It was like uh, combined tackles, which is just insane numbers for a single game. He He's still playing at incredibly high level, but I do think every year... There are absolute outliers like the Chris Borland situation where a guy just after a year or so in the league is walking away. But increasingly we are seeing these guys... There's a thing, there's a thing that Ross Tucker always says uh, about not seeing football as your career but as your launching point of your career. Yeah. And it being that you can earn a phenomenal amount of money in your 20s and then start your life proper. And it feels like increasingly we're getting these guys who get to that second contract, sign it, have those first three or four years of it where they are earning the really big money, the guaranteed money, etc. And then saying, right, while I've still got my health. And it's not just about concussions either. I, Luke Keekley, I saw one article that said with history of concussions. He had one concussion that did keep him out for about five or six games. I think he had another that kept him out for two or three a few years back. But he wasn't like somebody, it's not like a, a Jordan Reed situation or something like that, where it was multiple times a season he was missing games with concussion. But we do meet these players who are in their you know 50s 60s 70s who are struggling to walk who have joint problems who yeah. have you know there uh, there's other bodily health other than concussions and other than head injuries and i just think that we're going to see this increasingly maybe not ridiculous numbers but two or three people a season are just going to say Do you know what happy with the career i've had i'd rather go on and, and enjoy the rest of my life fully healthy i've just thought by the way we have had a major major omission in that list of linebackers, <laughs> who in the have we missed? Twenty years. I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to uh, let's stew on it for the rest of the show and see if you can figure it out. And I'll reveal it. <laughs> well, no, that's now all I'm going to think about for the rest of the show. Are they? Are they still well, playing? No, it's Derek Brooks, isn't it? Oh, that's right on the cusp. I think because I mean Derek. Yeah, I mean don't you know, not on the cusp of being. Of he's Fame, a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, he's right on the cusp in terms of the age because. He played into the noughties, but I... 2008, he retired. I mean, he's... Bloody hell, well was into it? it. And, and that... And that... Their Super Bowl win comes within the 20 years as well, doesn't it? Because, yeah, I think... Because he was drafted 90... 
four ninety five, something like that. So, yeah, I, I, if we are doing it as you've played within that twenty years, yeah, absolutely, that's a huge omission. But I, I don't know. I'd maybe maybe think of him as the generation before. I mean, to an extent, I think of Ray Lewis and Brian Erlacher well. before it as well. But there's that kind of three who are the more recent names certainly yeah um, absolutely anyway we're gonna go off on one at this rate uh, about that so yeah i thought it was really interesting and it's funny that we've got two guys retiring within a day of each other who you hold one guy up as being an absolute warrior and fair play to him for retiring at 28 and another guy who you hold up and say 16 seasons in the nfl antonio gates yeah. and and there was a stretch in kind of the mid-noughties from kind of 2004-2007 where he was just phenomenal. The best pass-catching tight end. I think, yeah, maybe his career didn't have the same uh, consistency as either Tony Gonzalez or, or Rob Gronkowski in terms of those peaks. But when he was at his very, very height of his powers, he was unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I genuinely think that the... the... I, I think the best team I've ever seen, not who never won a Super Bowl, was the was the '06 Chargers, and that was that was Gates at tight end, Ladanian Tomlinson, LT at running back, and Rivers playing really well. And the, I think the Pats beat them, didn't they, in the divisional round? But that was a great team, fourteen and two, kind of Marty Schottenheimer's career summed up in that season. Um, so yeah, just an absolute legend of the game. Can, can I just say one thing on Keighley as well? <laughs> what, yep. what, I, what, I, what, I, what I love about what he's done, and this is, I mean, I love Rob Gronkowski, but he absolutely killed the Patriots last season by retiring as late as he did. Like, that was the reason that Jared Cook never signed for them. And, and I think that that was a huge hole in their offense that ultimately cost them because it's such a valuable part of their offense. Whereas Keekley has made this decision now and Carolina, you know, it's it informs everything they do next because when we chatted about the Panthers like two, three months ago, I was saying, well, you know, do you completely start again, get rid of Cam? And I said, get rid of Keekley and it maybe even McCaffrey. Well, now that informs that decision. And, and really, for a, for a franchise that's got a new coach and, you know, we talk about the offensive coordinator that's new in a sec, it's just it's just perfect timing for them and, and sums up what a guy Keekley is as well. I, I Same think, guy to the end. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right on that. And... The other kind of point on that as well and uh, is that he's retiring while his you know he's got while his body is still allowing him to play at the top level he's had those couple of injuries but he's never had anything kind of longer term there are a couple of guys in the league and I think Gronk's a really interesting case because he was someone we were looking at for a while and saying you probably need to walk away now Rob I was increasingly thinking this about JJ Watt I know he then came back and had a really good game in the in the wild card round but He's someone who could walk away from football now with his health still relatively intact and would have had a Hall of Fame career. I just can't see him doing it. Yeah, I mean, uh, no, I can't either. It just doesn't seem wired that way. I mean, what is absolutely nailed on first ballot Hall of Fame as well. I mean, three Defensive Player of the Year awards is, I think there's only him and LT on that kind of, well, Rushmore, I'm sure that Aaron Donald will win a third at some point as well, but... Yeah, I mean, especially with how frequent the injuries are getting for what, but you know, different different guys are are wired differently, aren't they? One of Ollie's favourites is coming back though. The old Japanese fighting fish. Oh, isn't what a great that's it. I loved his tweet when he said, um, "I've had such a great time playing this year, and I, I want to do it all over again next year." Fantastic, Larry Fitzgerald um, coming back is great news, not only for the league, but also for the Cardinals and also for Kyler Murray because I think some of the... He must have been inf influential in the locker room, but also um, the the wisdom that he would have passed down to Kyler Murray uh, in terms of how to play the game and, and what to look at and, and all of that. I just... I, it's key for for the Cardinals and I'm delighted that he's coming back we get to see another year of Larry Fitzgerald hopefully pass down some of those uh, some of that knowledge to the head coach as well and maybe they'll get some receivers actually open for Tyler <laughs> Murray to throw to next season he led the team with 804 yards and 75 receptions so, but it feels like he had a really quiet year anyway I mean I know 800 yeah he had yards a really nice week one didn't he yeah. and then, and then... There was that amazing tweet they did from Gridiron where it's only been three years of his of his 16 in the league that he hadn't led the Cardinals in receptions and, and in yardage. It's just 
just ridiculous what a man he is. He's if there's a player who doesn't win a, a Lombardi in their career, uh, and I would have loved to have seen it. I think it might be Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. Just Beautiful a, a hero. What what a man! He is a hero. You're right, Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a lovely man, though, isn't he? Clearly, yeah, just yeah. an absolute guy. Couple of offensive coordinator positions to talk about. Um, Firstly, apparently the Giants are interviewing Jason Garrett. I know we said we weren't going to talk about interviews, but this is a funny one to me. Just, I don't know. What do you think about a Garrett-Joe Judge pairing there? Considering what we've seen from him as a play caller and a game manager, is he the guy you want running your offense? Well, yeah, because, I mean, you know, you can't judge the offense based on his time as a head coach because there's so many other things he's doing. I mean, I think that Jason Garrett has a very good offensive mind, and I actually think I'm it's not perfect. sure that's true in 2019. Yeah, but, but I've seen nothing what? from that offense. I know mean, he must have some involvement with it that suggests to me that he, you know, he's still someone who we should be in a time where we've got four or five coaches who you're going, wow, they're so innovative and exciting. Jason Garrett doesn't tick any boxes like that for me, certainly. Possibly not, but we'll see. I mean, I, I like the idea of somebody who has been a head coach and as. As as much as I could criticise Jason Garrett's overall record, he is still you know a 500 or better head coach who's won head uh, coach of the year award. Nothing for a for one of the rawest, greenest coaches in the history of NFL hiring cycles to have somebody like that as one of his main coordinators. I think would make a lot of sense. Uh, and then we've got the the announcement uh, that uh, well while we're watching player after player come out of the uh, come out into the draft over recent days, and we'll do a lot of draft coverage post Super Bowl. And I think we'll have some um, I think we'll have some uh, some nice rookies on from the Super Bowl as well. Um, it's another man leaving uh, leaving LSU, a Brady entering the NFL, as we all hope that another one leaves it. Uh, <laughs> Very good. <laughs> You're not wrong, though. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Uh, Joe Brady joins the Carolina Panthers as the passing game coordinator. That's a nice hire for Matt Rule. An incredible hire, and I mean, I'd be if I could choose what if I was now with the knowledge I have. I had if I had no fandom. If I just knew the teams and I was to choose a team to support for the next 10 years, I would pick the Carolina Panthers. I just well, with the Patriots diving <laughs> off a cliff, you could maybe switch allegiances. <sighs> or touch wood. Not that, I'm not that kind of guy. <laughs> um, no. I'm not so sure. But, no. but, but yeah, I mean, honestly, I just think they've got it so right. I like I like everything that I've heard from Dave Tepper, the new owner. I've, I mean, I've spoken about Matt Rule on this pod for 18 months and and how good I think he can be. And, and then, I mean, Joe Brady, I've never, ever, ever seen an assistant coach go into any situation and have such an impact, either in NFL or college, as he had at LSU. It was absolutely incredible the way he transformed a whole offense, decades of of um, of what that offensive program has been at LSU, flipped it completely on its head, a team that is was as old school, traditional ground and pound as you come. That's what LSU have always been, a, a team of running backs. And, you know, I can't even think of the immediately the great NFL quarterbacks from LSU, certainly in recent years, pr- prior to Joe Burrow. But also to turn Joe Burrow from a guy who most people thought was a, a middle and lower round NFL prospect to easily, you know, the legit first overall pick. Everyone knows he's going there. I've just never seen a guy have the impact he's had in in one year. I think he did an astonishing job and an unbelievable hire for the Panthers. How how the Bengals haven't hired him is beyond me. I find that insane, but just great work from Matt Rowe. And you've got to imagine, when the draft comes in 2020, Las Vegas, that a lot of LSU guys are going to be picked up at value because... You know, Brady's Brady's worked with them. He's worked with them, uh, be it on offense or seeing them go up against his offense on defense. So, uh, really exciting for Panthers fans that they could be getting some good bargains at the lower end of the draft that that already know what they're getting with uh, with Brady, or Brady already knows what they're getting with them. So, um, a lot of national championship winners may be coming into Carolina's building. I think is good for for the Panthers moving forward. So, yeah, I think it's a really, really good hire. And look, we've seen it with... Um, I think we've seen it with the Raiders' rookie selections this year. Whilst, obviously, talent... Uh, talent 
and culture and obviously an individual's personal uh, approach and attitude is so key when you're when you're going out and drafting someone having these guys coming from good coaches at good organizations that have a good culture in them already will help them make an impact quicker in the NFL you know that is why we see so many selections from the Alabamas of this world and you know, Ohio State and from LSU in recent seasons. And you know if you get somebody who not only they're familiar with but also has come from Coach O and from that scheme and from that organisation, then you know you're most likely getting a good guy. So um, I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see. I'm really excited to see what the Panthers do, even if it's going to be you know next season is with a rookie quarterback or a. a, a or maybe a journeyman free agent while they uh, while they look for their quarterback of the future and it's a 4 and 12 to 6 and 10 type season it's more about what mo- moves they make what their rookie class looks like they're kind of a, a really exciting project to watch over the coming seasons yeah and i think the cam decision will be fascinating as well mhm oh right, we we mentioned earlier about um keekley greg olson's another one who was asked about whether he'd he'd retire at the end of this season and said that that's not a decision he's made yet. But not a decision I've made yet is not a no, is it? And we've already seen in in their bye weeks the last two seasons, Greg Olsen stepped into a booth and been brilliant on both occasions. Like he is going to make a a Romo-esque impact, not quite to the same level because Romo was the kind of first, but he will be someone who people love from moment one. It's, there's a career there ready for him to go. So it could be that the Panthers are really tearing it all down and, and starting from scratch. Exciting! Really exciting times for Carolina fans, even if it might be a bit rough for a couple of years. It's a cool, cool city to go and watch uh, NFL. Cool stadium. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that they light up all of the 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 towers around in that beautiful electric blue as well i, I really like uh, caroline i really real like good Charlotte. real good barbecue as well. oh great barbecue! it's a really cool place to go and watch football uh sherry while we've well you've got a platform before we get into the games uh the nfl hall of fame class i yep. tweeted about the the drew pearson situation i think people are kind of aware that whilst Drew Pearson obviously was the one who welcomed local media into his home in the in the hope and maybe expectation he'd get in. Now the only member of the all seventies decade team who is not in the Hall of Fame. So you know you invite that potential pressure upon yourself. Um, I, I wasn't hugely keen on the way that they did the announcement of this centennial class all on TV and just strung people along with it. And maybe I shouldn't be keen on the fact that, you know, they normally invite the finalists to a hotel and knock on their doors. And if you don't get a knock on the door, you're not in. Maybe that's cruel and unusual, but yeah, it be- is. because it's tradition, we've kind of, we're used to it and we don't comment on it. But overall, some great names getting in there but also a few missing out who you think uh, you've kind of missed the point a little here. I have some issues with the, with the selections, I must admit. Um, I, my understanding was that the whole point of this was was to get the guys who really had no chance of getting in who should have should be in. So that meant a lot of guys from the 20s and 30s or so, I thought, as it turned out, we got, we got one player from that era um, in Duke Slater who was the first black lineman in, in the NFL. I, I just don't really understand that. And then, yeah, I mean, I drew, Pre- drew Pearson, I thought was unlucky. Branch was unlucky. Al Wisted was definitely unlucky. The Eagles, great. And Roger Craig as well, I think. But at least those guys have a chance to get in at some point, whereas a lot of the guys from the 20s and 30s, this was really the, the last chance. And there's a couple of guys who I mentioned to you, boys, from the Packers, who definitely deserve to get in. And I mean, the main head scratcher was was Ed Springle getting in, who I just don't think is a Hall of Famer. It, certainly not. I mean, I just don't think he is. So why? So yeah, there, well, he was just he was just a massively undersized defensive lineman who, you know, just wasn't. I mean, if, even if you look at it at the bare stats compared to other guys who were in, he just isn't a Hall of Famer. I don't really understand how he's how he has got in, and 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 yeah, and then as you say, the way they do it. We always think about that great moment of them knocking at the door, but actually, for the people who don't get the knock, that must be horrendous. Like, just imagine sitting in a hotel room for three hours and the knock never comes. I, I really just, yeah, I mean, I think that maybe it is something that they need to look at overall. Um, a, a final point from me is that I'd like to have seen Ralph Hay, who founded the league, get in. He was on the list, but uh, there's no danger of him getting in now either, but he... 
I just thought the hundredth season it would have been a fun little story. But even though he was only involved in the league for the first couple of years, he did actually found it. So I think that is worthy of getting in personally. But there were a lot of there were a lot of things I liked as well. A lot of the guys I liked. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Tagli, but I understand what people say about the concussions, and it's certainly a huge black mark. And the reason he hasn't got in earlier because his part in in not acknowledging that problem and and w- was bad but I think also what people forget is we know a lot more about the whole thing now than than people knew then yeah. and there is there is an argument that there was some obfuscation from from him in the league and there definitely was but I mean I could look at any any of the commissioners who were in and point to things that the that, that happened on their watch or they were involved in that weren't great I think that Tandy Abu did more than enough great things to to, to to warrant a place yeah like Goodell will go to the Hall of Fame one day but there will be discussions over I'm things not sure he Goodell. didn't do so well I'm not sure Goodell will I, I, th- I think essentially if you're NFL commissioner I think Goodell the amount the the, the the money that's poured into the NFL in his time as commissioner, I think we'll see him go to the, the hall. The way he's overseen it become a multi-billion, billion, billion dollar industry. Uh, from the business perspective, the expansion internationally, I think, will be a good mark on him. Like, There's lots of stuff, I think, that I think that the international in. stuff is the, is the big thing for Goodell. I think if he can kind of parlay that and a couple of other things and develop those those areas, then, next then it will be massive. The next CBA well, I mean, is absolutely in, huge. In terms of like Tagliabue, you're talking him taking over at a point when there'd just been three players' strikes in a decade. He is absolutely a driving force behind getting free agency, which has completely changed the face of football. There's a reason, you know, of the I think it's three of four teams, three of the four teams still in, uh, weren't in the playoffs last season. Now, free agency has a huge part to do with that. It has a huge part to do with the two decades of labour peace that followed that. He handled the 9-11 crisis brilliantly. And Katrina. Katrina yeah. even, even more importantly, I mean, without Paul Tagliabue, there's a good chance the Saints aren't in New Orleans anymore. He closed the loophole in, in that the kind of was opened in the 80s that allowed teams to, to relocate. So, you know, relocation happened a lot in the 80s and the 90s. And, and he founded the stadium program that, that they all use now to relocate. And that, that essentially, because they've never... The antitrust laws in baseball mean that teams can't just move, but not in the NFL, and they've never been able to stop that. But he found a way around that quite cleverly with the with the G3 Stadium program. Some great things with, with kind of drug testing. And I know it's getting a lot of stick at the moment, but the Rooney rule was definitely a positive step. There needs to That needs to be moved on and, and improved upon, but that for me is another huge thing. And, and when I spoke to Dan Rooney about that, he said they should have called it the Rooney Rizel rule, which tells you how... Uh, Rooney Tagliabue rule, sorry, which tells you how influential <laughs> wrong, wrong he was in that. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, there's, just, there's lots of things, and, and he definitely deserves to be in, and so do a lot of the, the, the 10 players who were selected as well. And Sable. We, didn't, we haven't mentioned Sable in too much depth, but I'm oh. gonna, we, we're going to save it. We're going to do some NFL 100 podcasts around this, buddy. So uh, we'll hold off. I just wanted to give you your moment to shine. Uh, Ollie, do you have any thoughts you want to throw into there? Because you've just sat there listening to uh, you know Sherry go just, off on one for the last five minutes. Well, was, should we get to the games? It was, a, it was a great listen. No, I've got no final thoughts oh. on, on the Hall of Fame. Let's get on to the games. I think, I think a lot of people want to hear us get on to the games. Four days like no other. A festival like no other. For a bookmaker like no other. Betfred. Get up to £40 in free bets when you sign up using promo code CHELP40 and stake £10 on any Cheltenham race. Betfred. At the heart of Cheltenham. 18 plus new UK customers only available from March 6th to March 13th £30 free bets credited within 10 hours of first bet settlement extra £10 free bets credited if first bet loses full terms at betfred.com slash promotions keep it fun begambleaware.org Hazel Irvin here and I'm at Mammoth Insurance in Leeds where Kate has arranged an office chair race to fundraise for sport relief and these riders have got their kit on they are rearing to go and they're off Taking an early lead and smashing injustice right out of the park, it's Daphne from Accounting, riding the spreadsheet demon chair. Up comes Nina from HR on Beat Me and You're Fired, closely followed by Mark from Marketing on the 9 to 5 chair. Even Javid from Health and Safety's at it, weaving his clipboard like crazy. Go easy there, Javid. We don't want any injuries, fella. And from nowhere, it's Jenny on El Chero Loco, rolling right over poverty to cross the line first. And the crowd goes loco. Unbelievable. You can help change the world too. 
Just order your free fundraising pack at sportrelief.com. Sportrelief. It's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast. You're listening to The Gridiron Show. Will Gavin, Ollie Hunter, Matt Sherry. It's time to preview this weekend's conference championships. At the AFC first up, 8.05 kickoff as the Kansas City Chiefs welcome the Tennessee Titans. The fairy tale continues for Derek Henry and his boys. Can they go into Kansas City and get a victory? Uh, it's going to be... <laughs> there have been some fantastic wild cards who have been on a three-game run to get to the Super Bowl. And you think actually about the team they knocked out last weekend. The Ravens have done it from sixth seed and, and been brilliant. Think about the Giants team who went on to knock off the Patriots and did it from... Was that the fifth seed or the sixth seed? Um, and, and you know, were absolutely a great story. But the Titans get to the Super Bowl. It... There's a team that aren't particularly fancied who went into the season with a lot of people thinking that, you know, they'd struggle to even get a close to a 500 season. It, it would be an awesome, awesome story. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I think as well, I mean, I, I, I will pick the game at the end, but I, I do think that, you know, when we mapped out at the start of the season, when we looked at the Chiefs and thought, well, this, this team is, is going to be so difficult to beat because of how good their offense is, the one thing that you would talk about to beat them is time of possession. Essentially keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. If there's one team that can do this, it is the Titans, isn't it? You know, their their blueprint in this game should be now to have two drives that are at least seven and a half minutes long. You know, that's that's the way to do it. And they've got the running back to do it. And and it's just such a it's a such a fascinating matchup because it is it is kind of one strength against another strength, alternate strengths, and 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 yeah, I'm just massively excited. I think I do think the Chiefs will win, but I I, I wouldn't rule anything out with this Titans team. They are brilliant on defense, and I think that's where there could be some sort of uh, res- resilience towards what Kansas City can do on offense. And I, I know you say keep the ball Derek Henry and um and and all of their stuff that they've got on offense and and Ryan Tannehill's having a really good good back end of the season since he came in yada 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 all the stuff that's been mentioned but actually on defense the Titans are, have been really resilient they've been really good plus they've been game planned really or they game plan really well yeah. so they had exactly the right game plan against um against the Ravens they had exactly the right game plan in in dealing with Buffalo so all New right England. they sorry against New England yeah so if you if you i know they've they've they haven't had much time they haven't had the time off and and all of that but they would have known right from the very outset we're going up against the Kansas City Chiefs if we win all of our games we'll go up against the Chiefs so they they know what they're going to come up against and the Chiefs offense isn't there are, there aren't any great secrets to it it's Mac, Patrick Mahomes making amazing plays Travis Kelsey uh, having monster <laughs> games and the the guys on the outside that can run quickly there's no there's there's not much to really scheme against so i I quite like the Titans' defence going up against this uh, Kansas City offence. I think part of the key for me is that it's the two of the things you two have talked about combined. It's the key, the way that you beat a good quarterback is by keeping them off the field. And so if you can put together five, six, seven, eight-minute long drives with Derrick Henry and running the ball down the gut and your three tight ends that they like to run out on a regular occasion, you know, Jonu Smith et al., doing the job they need to do. Uh, if the big run-mauling line can deal with, apparently Chris Jones been missing some practice time this week, but if they can deal with what's been a much better Chiefs front in the second half of the season with, with Spags, then I think there's a lot to be looking forward to then. And then on the defensive side, like if they are fresh, they can make the plays. If they're not having to be on the field and going up against those speedsters for, if, if the Chiefs only get three drives four drives a half instead of the eight or nine they seem to get against Houston I certainly can see that if the Titans can get up early and we saw the Chiefs made the mistakes to allow the Texans in the back door as it were last week Tennessee a much better setup in order to capitalize on a lead like they did against Baltimore and there are a lot of players on the defensive side of the ball like it's going to take them playing brilliantly 
But we talked about those young linebackers last week, the performances of the likes of Rashawn Evans uh, and Harold Landry. Uh, I thought Adoree Jackson was brilliant against Ra- the Ravens last week. Kevin Byard is obviously an incredibly splashy player who makes big plays, but also really great in, in coverage. There's, there's a lot fundamental, fundamentally to like about their defence. They're certainly not just turning up to get a battering. I also, like Sherry, still think that the Chiefs win because... I just fancy Pat Mahomes to make the plays when he needs to make them. I, I, I don't think that the Titans, especially with Butler out, and, and this kind of proved out in the game, that the I mean, the Titans beat the Chiefs, obviously, earlier on the season. That I just don't think they have the horses to match up in the, in, on, in the back end. I mean, Hill had 150 yards in the last game. Kelsey had 75, and there were some players against Kelsey where they literally gave him a pure double team in that game. Um uh, that's what would concern me. I mean, uh, in that game, I mean, I watched that game back the other night, just kind of preparing for this weekend. And 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 the the big thing was they held them to a load of field goals. And that, I think that's what they have to do again is play a great red zone defense. I think you just accept that the Chiefs are going to move the ball because Mahomes is that good, his weapons are that good, Andy Reid's that good. Um, so it's to me about whether you can control the clock on offence and, and score seven when you're in the red zone and whether you can flip the script on that when, when the Chiefs do. Because I well, think the Chiefs are going to move the ball. But on that I don't point, think any... just on that point, the Titans, the one thing they've not been good at this season is red zone defence. They rank right yeah. down towards the bottom end. In fact, the only team who are worse than them in red zone defence in the playoffs were the Houston Texans this year. So yeah. that's one area where they've improved. They They improved massively against the Ravens. But I think that was the Ravens going away from what they're good at and almost panicking more than it was. The Titans made plays, don't get me wrong. There were two teams in that game. But I still think if Baltimore hadn't panicked and stuck to their game, they could have come back from where they were. The fact that they just put the ball in Lamar's hands and had him throw it a lot and didn't really change up, changed up the game plan in the wrong way, kind of played into the Titans' hands. Yeah, and I mean, the final thing I would say on it is... Dean Peace, nobody, there's no coordinator in the playoffs has had a better fortnight than him, and they need, they need another great game plan this week. And and, and Arthur Smith's had a pretty good one. Yeah, he has absolutely. I mean, the whole coaching staff's been excellent, but I think Peace in particular has done a great job just because of how diversely different the challenges were. I mean, you you couldn't have two challenges that differ more than Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady and and they changed their plan in both of those games you know proven to be very adaptable so so I, mean, I do think it'll be interesting but I just I just don't see how how the Titans ultimately keep up with the Chiefs so I, I just expect to score a, an awful lot of points again I, I, that's kind of I mean that's as much as I need to I think we need to say about this game I, I would say that uh yeah special teams could be a big part of this. Dave Taub had a brilliant, brilliant special teams game after the first quarter, after that ridiculous decision to put Tyree Kill back on that punt and, and everything else that they did early on. And that's kind of what people need to remember about that Chiefs game is as much as they were 24 points down after there was one good drive for the Texans and then a couple of massive, massive mistakes, they then did score, outscore them 51-7 to in about yeah. 38, 39 minutes of game time. Like... They put up all 51 of those points in basically 30 minutes of game time. That's ridiculous. I don't think they'll do that against the Titans, but I still just think that they're going to end up overpowering them, even if it has to come later in the game. And, and Lamar Jackson, I mean, uh, Patrick Mahomes, sorry, hasn't yet thrown an interception in the playoffs. Yeah. Across, across. I mean, it's only, it's five it's only three season, games, it? but it's, a, it's an awful lot of pass attempts. I mean, it's, it's, he is just totally and utterly exceptional it's five across the season for Mahomes he's he's yeah. having an incredible season even with the injuries that that he sustained midway through and kind of affected him when he came back he came back a bit early and then affected him again so um I think uh I think Mahomes is is going about his business and and sort of starting to peak at the right time and uh, that's scary for anyone that's got to face him in the Super Bowl if they get there uh, now let's turn our attention to the NFC Championship game. Eleven uh, forty, the kickoff here. You're in going down the UK. Nice, good smack talk, buddy. Yeah, yeah, you ginger. <laughs> <laughs> you're as ginger as I am. No, I'm not. Well, you've got a ginger beard, and you're. If you've I got had no hair, hair, hair so. yeah, it wouldn't be ginger though. But my hair's not that ginger. 
<laughs> all right, fella. <laughs> <laughs> it really isn't. It's a uh, ginger. It's it's what a w- would call strawberry blonde. Um, the <laughs> time code that the San Francisco absolutely not the San Francisco Forty Niners forty fifty five. Um, the San Francisco 49ers welcoming in the uh, the Green Bay Packers back into the stadium. We're back in November. They absolutely waxed them 37 points to eight. But this is a different Green Bay Packers side to that day. They have won every single game since then, going on a seven-game winning streak. They uh, had the pass rush was phenomenal last week. Rodgers making those ridiculous third-down Rodgers plays we've seen. And the storylines are just wonderfully abundant in this game. Two members of the Falcons' offensive staff that went and lost the Super Bowl despite being 28-3 to up, seeking their redemption brothers on either staff as we get uh, Matt and Mike LaFleur going head to head there's actually there was a brilliant interview with his parents on the Adam Schefter podcast with their parents uh, talking about who they're going to root for and talking about what the Harbors went through and stuff which I thought was really funny and a really really nice little bit of colour around the game uh, yeah this is I kind of feel like any team that gets through to the Super Bowl right now, there are some great stories around it. Whether it's the Chiefs fairy tale, the, the whether it's the sorry the Titans fairy tale, the Chiefs getting back after fifty years, the Packers going to face the Chiefs in a rematch of uh, of Super Bowl one, uh, and I think the Forty ers going from the second overall pick to the Super Bowl would just be what a phenomenal year they'd had. Um, I'll, I'll leave it to somebody else to start off with a matchup. Who wants to who wants to pick one to start us off talking about? Ollie, go ahead. I, I mean, I was, I was doing the polite thing as the neutral. I was going to let you go for it, but I thought you were calling <laughs> yourself the neutral. Then I was like, no, but I think I think the key matchup is the the Green Bay offensive line, um, which hopefully will be far more healthy given the in, the illness that swept the camp and and led uh, was it Bakhtiari to be out? I think it was or Belaga. One of the one Belaga. of those two. It was Belaga um, going up against. The the rotating cast and the the better Bosa brother. So, Oof. <laughs> quite a claim. I think he is at the moment. It's certainly on this season's form. So that if if Green Bay can manage to keep um, that offensive line and Nick Bosa away from Aaron Rodgers, then Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, who who doesn't like pressure, we know that. Um, it, it, they they have a chance, but I'm, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I like you. You're really talking yourself into it. Let me let me put it this way: the 49ers pass rush had five guys, all former five first guys. round picks, all get a sack last weekend against the Vikings, and nine nine QB hits, multiple pressures. Um, the, the only unit that was better than. Um, than San Francisco's was Green Bay's, but, but we were going up against the, <laughs> a, a far inferior offensive line in Seattle than than Minnesota. And to me, that's the the key in this game is that in the trenches, yes, you're going to have uh, the 49ers going up against the Packers, and we need to see what that defensive line could do against that offensive line and everything you've just said there. On the other side of the ball, you're going to have. Zedaria Smith and Preston Smith and yes there's a bit of pressure up the middle from the Packers as well Kenny I love Kenny Clark but the way that the Vikings were absolutely manhandled on that perspective despite the fact that in Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin, they've both got no two relation. guys in the top ten conversation of pass rushers, and yet they were being manhandled by Kittle and Juszczyk as much as they were the tackles, the guards. Garland's come in and done a really good job as well. I just I feel like if the 49ers can keep Jimmy Garoppolo clean and the scheme does what it needs to do to pick on the Packers' weaknesses, which I've now come to a point where I trust Kyle Shanahan that the scheme they put together will be the right one to face the opposition they're facing. I don't know, similar to what we were saying earlier in the week. I think Lafleur has to have been looking at what McVeigh did with the Rams and saying that's what we need to do to nullify the pass rush and the linebackers of the of the 49ers. And Salah, who blitzes a lot more than that scheme normally does, the scheme that you expect him to come out of from the Seahawks and that cover three and everything else that comes with that, they need to come with something on offense more than just have third and long Aaron Rodgers phenomenal plays because yeah. I don't think that will be enough. Yeah, and if you look at Aaron Jones where his numbers have looked really, really good, but um, if you stuff 
that box and try and force them outside. It's far more difficult. It came to it. It came to Green Bay using their third string running back in Irvin to making some splashy plays on the outside rather than Jones. Jones still had a nice game and you got a, a, a resurgent and fitter Jamal Williams to come back and help all of that. But on offense, they're nowhere near as exciting and as, as inventive as the San Francisco offense. And San Francisco, if we're talking running backs, you've got that three-headed monster where either one of those guys will will have a big game. And that's a fact. It will happen. So Mostert, Coleman and Breeder, all three of them have had their had uh, excellent seasons. So all of the all of the science and all of the metrics and everything are pointing towards a, San, a big San Francisco win, I think. But yada yada, any given Sunday, Aaron Rodgers, all of that, you never know what's going to happen. I think Matt Sherry, uh, it's about time that you kind of kind of break up and and either dampen or 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 inflate our feelings. Mine or Will's here. Well, I mean, I, I think that the two matchups you've identified are, are the key ones. Um, I'd, I'd maybe put Richard Sherman against Devante Adams in there as well because hey, can I Adams just... is just so important to that passing game. But can... I think the most important of the two is is the Packers D against the Forty Nineers offensive line simply because I think. I could see the 49ers winning any type of game. I think the only way the Packers win is if it's a low-scoring game. So I think that the Packers need to be outstanding on defense to make that happen because I just there isn't the down-to-down consistency in Green Bay's offense against a good defense, and there isn't truthfully the down-to-down consistency with Rodgers. I mean, yeah, you know, right. I think it was I think it was Dan Orlovsky who tweeted, "Don't confuse incapability for." for inconsistency with Rodgers. Like, what he's saying is that he has been inconsistent, but he is still capable of making those key players that we saw last week. But he made those key players last week against a very average defence who, on multiple in multiple big spots, didn't double cover his main weapon. And and also, I, I think that to beat the 49ers, he's going to have to make more than three great players on third down, which is what it boiled down to. And, and I'm not trying to denigrate his performance in any way. I just think that to beat this defence as opposed to the Seattle one, they need a lot more. They need Aaron Rodgers to reverse the clock back to you know, five, six years ago and I, and I, and I just ultimately don't think that'll happen. Yeah, about ten years ago, pal. Just Can we just mention Richard Sherman, by the way, on that thought? Because I remember when Richard Sherman signed that big contract in San Francisco and people looked at it and went... Pfft. It's a lot of money to give a guy who is coming off an Achilles injury, the kind of injury which has ended careers. And I'm not suggesting John Lynch is some genius here, by the way, before we get into this. It was always a risky contract. Very uh, incentive laden and he'll make insane money if the 49ers go on to win the Super Bowl because he's got all these extra bonuses for every round of the playoffs, plus being an all-pro and a pro bowler and everything else that came with that. But the level he has played at this season, considering he's 31 years old and came off that Achilles injury, and just, it blows my mind how good he still is, and clearly still such a great leader for this team, which has had such great performances from rookies. And I think you're right, I'm really fascinated to see if Devontae Adams, because you notice those third down throws were coming to that side of the field, where Sherman lurks, yeah. the left cornerback side. Maybe Lafour makes a big deal of moving Adams to the other side, and Sherman generally doesn't track, and then we have to think about what Mosley or Witherspoon, if they decide to go back to him, does on the track. other side. Yeah, I would, I would love to, to see, I'd love to see Adams, Sherman for the entire game. Oh, maybe it's, uh, I mean, that's what you want to see from a fan perspective. Really, if I was scheming it up sensibly, I would double Adams, and I would just put Sherman on. On, you know, whoever the, the other receiver is. Um, <laughs> Geronimo Allison. Geronimo Allison, Alan Lazard, MVS hasn't really done anything. It seems like Lazard and even Jake Kumaro has has leaped or leapfrogged, leapfrogged um, both Geronimo Allison and, um, and MVS. So the, the, there is, and I know both of you are going to roll your eyes when I mention this name, but he did have a I'm good... I'm excited about it already. He did have a good game against Seattle, and that's Jimmy Graham. And Jimmy Graham... You're right, I did roll my eyes. Good yeah, call, I knew you me. would, but I don't think you can you can count him out because because there seems to be a bit more of a connection, and he's not dropping the simple passes that he did do, well, ever since he left um, New Orleans. So don't count that out, but... Everything is pointing towards 
a San Francisco 49ers win. And that's, I think, where, unfortunately, I'm going to go. But I'd be delighted for you, Willie. I would. I really would. And I, I, that's what I've said. A lot of people have made a big deal out of the idea that um, that we're going head-to-head this weekend. Of course, we're having a bit of fun with that and have been having a bit of fun with that. But if the Packers were to make the Super Bowl, I would absolutely, of course, been been rooting for you. It's going to be fascinating again this weekend as well, because as much as the 49ers defence mentioning someone like Jimmy Graham, I do think they match up really well on tight ends, particularly depending on how Kawan Alexander is looking. The thing is, is because they ran the game so much and had the ball for 17 minutes more than Minnesota did, just ridiculous in terms of that split. It meant that a lot of guys you saw coming off injury and a lot of guys you saw coming in, um, Alexander only played 25 snaps and played between a mix of base and nickel, whereas Dre Greenlaw still kept his every down roll and played 39 snaps. If Kawan Alexander with an extra week is at an every down kind of level of fitness, I don't expect over the middle to be a problem for us. And I don't think the Green Bay defence doesn't have the depth that the San Francisco defence has. And also, they looked knackered. They looked absolutely gone by the end in, against um, against Seattle. It was only actually some quite clever subbing of only using one of the Smiths, one of the Smith twins, um, on, on various Seattle drives. He'd, he'd keep out Zadarius and then bring in Preston and vice versa. And it was, I think it was uh, Preston Smith that got that final sack, which, which iced the game. But it was only that because the rest of the defense was absolutely knackered. So the the, the other thing is, if if if, if I don't see Matt Lafleur do the the same thing that that McVeigh did a few weeks ago with his game plan, then I would fight him. <laughs> it might be a little bit extreme when he's taken this well, Packers team to thirteen and three and to an I, NFC I, Championship I, game <laughs> after a few seasons in the wilderness. Obviously, that is very much hyperbole. <laughs> but no, but the. the there is very obvious there. That is obviously the, the blueprint of what you should try and do. And you, you, you essentially run the same offense. So there's no reason you can't do it. You've got a quarterback who is even more mobile, even better at throwing on the run. Like, that to me is the only thing that gives me pause to thought is knowing that that film is out there. And if there's anybody with a semblance of a brain has watched it, which clearly Kevin Stefanski hadn't last week, then they would obviously try and do that exact same thing. And that's that's really what I hope the Packers do for the game, but I'm not so sure it'll happen. And, and guess what? Lafleur and Shanahan started on the same staff in Houston together, and they were all on the same staff with Sean McVay in Washington. They're all buddies. They're all coming from that same Mike Shanahan background. Absolutely, he should he should be somebody who can put that game plan together by himself watching what the 49ers defence does anyway. But the fact yeah. that someone else has already put it on tape for him to give him as an example, so he knows it'll work, not just thinks it might work, it means that it would be amazing if he didn't. And I expect him to, and that's why I pause for thought, because the Rams did a number on that defence more than anyone else has this season. Yeah, I agree. Beautiful. Titans and Chiefs fans are going to be annoyed we talked about that game for a lot longer, but I'd suggest it was not really a surprise. <laughs> um, t- tell us where you're watching the games this weekend, at uh, Gridiron on Twitter. Uh, well, what are, you, are you just sticking at home, Sherry? Are you getting back together with Clancy again? Have you got no, big plans? It, well, it's the busiest night of the year for us because we've got to get the Super Bowl issue to print on Tuesday morning and we don't know who's in the game yet. So, yeah, I'll be watching it at home and then writing some stuff as, as the first game ends. Have you already written stuff on all four teams to prepare or are you just... No, we've, we've, written, we've written on one team who we are most confident is going to win. <laughs> oh, I'm really intrigued as to which of the home teams that is. That's the 49s. For us, if we can can predict the late game, it's perfect because we can get that designed and done and then we can ride up the the AFC team afterwards. This level of disrespect for the Packers. Packers fans out there, let Matthew at Matthew Gridiron know how you feel about that one on social media as well. Don't worry. um... I'll be be upset enough if we have to. Listen, if Packers fans have anything about them, they won't have a go because uh, it's absolutely right to, that to the 49ers. Oh, are, here are he favorite. goes. Here he goes. But Vegas only has them um, 0.5 of a point favourites more than the Chiefs are over the Titans, 7.5 to 7. So uh, I, think I think actually we're in for a really exciting 
intriguing and interesting uh, championship weekend. And I, I can't wait, actually. Oh, Sunday night, lots of uh, interaction with you on social media. And, uh, of course, Ollie and I will be doing the game on radio as well, if you want to hear it there. And then we've got big, big plans for Radio Row and for the media and for everything around that um, over... Uh, over Super Bowl week, some really, really cool stuff that we're playing around with, so uh, do make sure to stick with all of us on social there. And keep listening to the podcast, we'll have, what, four of them out in the week up to the leading up to the game, and then an immediate reaction podcast, and loads of stuff coming out in the summer afterwards, loads of draft stuff. It never ends. It never ends. Molly Hunter. We love it, that's why. Any final thoughts? Demi. Demi Lovato <laughs> is doing the anthem. I couldn't be happier. I, I love Demi Lovato. Some people are suggesting that uh, I'm taking the mick. I'm not. I think she's. I think she's brilliant. I love her. Ollie went with my wife and his girlfriend, yeah. the three of them, to go and see Demi Lovato live. Matt Sherry. I mean, I don't even know who Demi Lovato is. Similar <laughs> to whoever is at that party that we were talking about the other week. You're out of order, mate. Check out "Girl for the Summer." It's a great. It's a banger of a tune. Okay. I will let her. Thank you very much for listening there. <laughs> what a note to end on. It was meant to be the Smack Talk podcast. We've ended on hot Lovato chat. <laughs> this has been the Gridiron Show.